Welcome to the Education, Career, and Beyond podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more. Brought to you by Voice for Heroes 501c3. And there we go. It works, everyone. (laughs) Congratulations and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to our live version here of the Education Career and Beyond podcast. As usual, we have Ed Sanderson and Capri coming in from Purdue University. I've been truly looking forward to this because we have Guy Berlando, and I hope I said that correctly. I'm so sorry. Did I say it correctly? Wonderful. Over 20 years as an Air Force veteran fighter pilot, also went on to be captain with Southwest Airlines. He was lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, but he is the most amazing, incredible, motivational speaker. He has a fantastic book that we're going to hear about and how he has really just used his life experience to be empowering others. And it's really remarkable. And I don't want to take anything away from him from what he's going to share. So thank you so much, Guy, for being a part of this today. Well, thank you, Amy, so much for inviting me. and glad to be here. And hello, Ed and Capri. How you doing, Guy? Nice to meet you. Now, my job is to try to pull back as much as possible because I know that Ed and Capri have a lot of great questions, too. But, Guy, please share with us your background, just from the heart, what your background was leading up to where you are today. Well, thank you very much, Amy, for having me on. And and obviously, like I was just mentioning to to Ed a short while ago, if we can impact a few lives through what we do, especially like what Ed does with his work, Capri is the future for our country. And anything we can do to impact kids, I think is extremely, extremely important. And yeah, my background, I grew up in Chicago. My dad was, uh, was chief engineer for Schwinn bicycles. So if he was the, he was the main guy that designed Schwinn bikes. So if you've ever had a Schwinn bike, you were, you rode something that started in my dad's mind first, more than likely. And, uh, so grew up here in the Chicago area. And I was one of those kids that, uh, even though I came from a very good home, I was a little bit lost as to where I wanted to go in life. And one thing I knew is I, I wanted a job. I wanted to be able to do something where I was outdoors. I did uh, be working in a cubicle or in a warehouse or something like that was not me. I knew that part. I fell into flying uh, thanks to my dad. And then I transferred from a school up here in Chicago down to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach. And I did six years of college because it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. But I I really fell in love with flying. And then when I went down to Riddle, I joined the ROTC detachment down there and uh, I fell in love with it. Uh, No real military background in our family. My dad was in World War II, but, you know, just an enlisted uh, type drafted. And anyhow, I just fell in love with it. And I accelerated in that program there, became the cadet commander for the largest all-volunteer ROTC detachment back then, over 500 cadets. And I got the my choice Euro-NATO joint jet pilot training, which is where all the NATO different, different NATO countries would send their top pilots for pilot training. And that was in Wichita Falls, Texas. And I went through pilot training. I got my first choice of an F-16. And I went through that training at back in Florida at McDill. And then I went over to Korea. I was in Korea for a year and a half. And then I went over to, I actually had an ejection while I was in Korea that I talk about in the book. And then I went over to Germany, met and married my wife there. She's a German national. She's 
I also got her U.S. citizenship now, but we were there for three and a half years. And then I went over to Italy. I was at Aviano Air Base for over three years, did all of Bosnia, the Bosnia conflict start to finish. That was an experience to watch from the air. And then went to Phoenix, Arizona, and I was there for 10 years. And then when my military career was over, as you mentioned, Amy, I stepped over and started flying with Southwest. So wow. that's kind of the overall <laughs> background. That's it? That's all you got? <laughs> <laughs> there's more <laughs> but no that's good <laughs> well I, you know i just I, I really enjoy um i've always enjoyed people i've been even in high school i i really enjoyed listening to people's problems and it was just a natural thing for me to be of a of a, per, a little bit of empathetic type of heart if you will and i think that is you know it's something that's really important to me and as i continue to go through life. Uh, you know, you, when I did the transition from the military over to uh, the civilian world into being a commercial airline pilot, it was a very, very big shift for me. And I think you heard on the other interview that you saw is that uh, it, people asked me, what did I do in the military? And, you know, while I was in, and I would say, well, I'm an F-16 pilot. It's not what I do. It's who I am. Right. And that became my identity. So when I lost that, when I left the military, a big part of my life for over 20 years, and now I'm flying for the airlines, I, I didn't know who I was anymore. And I didn't realize all that, but that is kind of what led me on the path that eventually led me to writing the book. Wow. That's a powerful observation that you were able to even really realized that's what was going on with that identity there. We well, see that so much in retirement. <laughs> that was part of the path <laughs> to discover <laughs> what was going on inside me that had me all messed up. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was successful, but I was deep inside. I wasn't super happy and I couldn't figure out what it was. So, yeah, that's what started me on that path. Figure it all out. Wow. And I can imagine. I mean, Capri, you probably can speak to this even better than I can that there's a lot of, I would imagine you have, you know, people your age that are like, I'm going through the paces, but I don't know who I am or I don't know what I want to do. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? I totally agree with that. And even like, as someone who I consider myself to be very driven and I know the path that I want to go on, sometimes it can feel like you're going through the motions and you're like, oh, like, this is supposed to be exactly what I want to be doing, but I'm doing it and it just feels like I'm waiting for the next step or like the other shoe to fall or something. So it's really hard to be present in the moment sometimes. I'm think thinking that's kind of what you're getting at. Yeah. Are you familiar with Eckhart Tolle? No. Okay. So he has a book, it's called The Power of Now. And it's all about appreciating the moment of now, which is fleeting right? Because the past, there's nothing you can do about the future is where anxiety comes from, right? Worrying about what's going to happen that you really don't have a lot of control over. You can direct, but you don't have that absolute control over what's going to happen in the future. But that moment of now, it just passed. So how do you stay in the moment of now and appreciate your life and what's going on in your life right now? And it's such an important philosophy. And he's a, he's, probably the most renowned philosopher around that concept. So yeah, that's awesome that you mentioned that. Thanks. I can't wait to read that book. Very interesting. Yeah. Ed, I see your brain spinning. My brain is always spinning. Where it's going to stop, we do not know. Um, you know, Guy, one thing when I was looking over your um, 
the biography you had on your website, kind of your story, one thing popped into my mind, and I really want to get your input on this, is that you talk about that, you know, you, there's an aptitude that you need for being a pilot. You, you, you There's a skill set and intelligence that you have to have. And then there's the passion part of it. Mm -hmm. um, how do those pieces intersect in your mind for a young person who's like, I don't know if I've got the skill set, but I'm super passionate about it. And conversely, someone who's really sharp, really intelligent, may have a certain skill set, but doesn't have the passion for it. How do you determine which way you're going to go? Or is it important to have both of those collide at the same exact time? Wow, what a great, great question. So profound, Ed. There is so much. <laughs> there is so much. Recording. I mean, you know, for, for it might be beyond the average person's thought process. But what you just said really is, is, is vital to getting to where you want to go. And I, maybe one, a story may help answer that in a, in a way that, it, that other people can relate to. So when I was in Phoenix for 10 years, that's the schoolhouse for the F-16s. After they graduate pilot training or if they've been flying another airplane, they're going to start learning how to fly the F-16, which is a very complex airplane. And they come to the schoolhouse, which was at that time Luke Air Force Base. And so I did that for 10 years. And one of the things you start to notice over time is patterns amongst the different students, because the, the class is about six months long. There's a, you know, so let's just say 20 kids in it. And you start to notice a repetitive pattern after you've been doing this for so long. And one of the philosophies that I developed as an instructor there is not everybody comes with the same skill set. Right. Some people are naturally gifted. Other people really have to work at it. Some are, excuse the expression, but super cocky. Right. They got egos out the wazoo and I know everything here. You know, there's this brand new person into the F-16 and here's a guy that's got 3000 hours and I don't know anything about it. Right. So you get all different kinds of personalities there. What's most important to me as an instructor during that time was the person's passion, was mm -hmm. the person's desire there. They might have the natural gift of being able to fly, but did they truly desire to be a fighter pilot? And this could be a doctor, it could be a lawyer, whatever profession, you can pick whatever you want. I'm talking about something that I'm familiar with. Do they have the real passionate desire to become the very best that they can possibly be in that line of professional work. And I would go to bat, you could have somebody that maybe wasn't, didn't have the natural talents, but they had that passion inside them. They really wanted this. And I would spend hours upon hours of extra time to work with that person to help them get to where they wanted to go to versus the person that came with all the skill set, but they're kind of like, you know, whatever. And they never took notes. They never studied the craft. If they had a bad day, they just kind of like fluffed it off. They didn't want to be to learn from their mistakes. And to me, that person, I didn't have as much time for them as I did the person that maybe didn't have the skill set, but had the desire and the passion to go. And what you find is very few little things that cannot be taught. Some things are just natural for people. But for the most part, most things that the passion and the desire is there, it may take them a little bit longer, but eventually they can get to where they want to go. 
Does that kind of answer the question? Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I had a specific response in mind. I'm just curious what your journey has taught you about that, because I find that young people don't really know what they want to do. But from an aptitude perspective, there's certain things that line up. And if we can identify that aptitude, what they're good at, even though they might not know what it is yet, then if we can connect that to passion, interest, it, those things, they start to fly. They start to take off. And it's not that those things can't change. I think you've talked about, you know, you've kind of had a couple different versions of a career as you've gone along that can change. But I think the one thing that you can't stop is passion. I'm just curious. You could be great. You could be really yes. passionate about doing something, but you might not have the aptitude. But I think the answer you gave is you can learn. The thing you can do is learn. The one thing you can't fake is passion. You can't really? make that up. And you know, it's an alignment, right? It's an alignment with your heart, body, soul, mind, all of that. When that's an alignment, the the passion just flows naturally. And to, to go back to, as you alluded, my story, when I was in high school, I worked a part-time job during the summers or a full-time job during the summers in a warehouse, in, a, in a, um, a, a fulfillment facility, if you will. And that's when I learned, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. You know, I hung around with the wrong crowd. Let's just put it that, that way. As far as what you would expect from, you know, where my dad was in his career um, and where I was and my sister, the very opposite. She knew what she wanted to do. That was awesome. But I was, I didn't. And so the one thing I learned from that warehouse is I did not want to be indoors. That was it. And then I loved the stars. My passion, it was a kid growing up was the stars. I could sit out there for hours watching the stars. I built my own telescope. I go down to the Adler planetarium here in Chicago. And it just was, that was a huge passion of mine. And then I got to, I went to college to become an astrophysicist because <laughs> high school was easy for me. You know, I didn't study a lot. Kind of the grades kind of came along, you know, and then I got to college and then it was an eye opening experience. What do you mean I got to study? What is this calculus? What are all these different formulas I got to memorize? And uh, it didn't align with me. Right? And I was out of alignment all of a sudden. And I had the desire and the passion to want to study the stars and, and explore. But it wasn't in alignment with having to do that kind of studying. And I realized in my second year that I was over my head in that part of it. And so that caused a little discomfort, right? Cause I was out of alignment. And when I started flying, I felt something different. And it was something that challenged my mind, it challenged physicality, it challenged a little bit of every part of me. And I'm like, man, this is fun. This is kind of cool. And you get to see the world from a completely different perspective, right? Cause you're seeing it now in true three dimensions. So when I transferred down to Riddle, and I asked my dad, I said, dad, I want to go because he went with me for the tour. And uh, we were touring the school and he, he and I said, dad, I want to go into the ROTC detachment here. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, no, there's something pulling me right there. It's just literally pulling me to this. I knew nothing about the military. And we went in there and we sat down with um, at that time it was uh, the head. Uh, you call it Professor Science, but the. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel John B. Cramlett. And we sat down in his office for 30 minutes. We walked out and my dad, I'll never forget this. My dad looked at me 
And he goes, God, you don't want to have anything to do with that, do you? And I said, yeah, dad, I think I do. The only thing I don't want to do is cut my hair because I had this real long hair and girls <laughs> loved and everything, you know. <laughs> but I, I said, yeah, I think I do. And so that started it. And when I got into that environment, Ed, everything changed. All of a sudden, everything came into alignment for me. And so if somebody is struggling trying to find that, I would encourage them. My words of encouragement would be, continue to do what you're doing while keeping an open mind and asking questions. Questions mm -hmm. are the answer. The answers are already within us. Uh, whatever yeah. the problem is that you're facing, the answers are here or in here. It's a matter of accessing that information to what is going to be the, the possibility that's going to make me bring me into alignment where that passion comes out naturally. And I'm very joyful in what I'm doing and what I'm doing is effortless. And that's when you know you're in true alignment and you're living Capri in the moment of now as a result of all that. So follow up question to that. I want to kind of take you back to a quote that I presume you wrote. It says, success is about character. It is making yourself, others in this world better while living um, your true authentic self. I'm curious how, I think the question I have is about, you talk about alignment, alignment. You know, there's a, there's a process where you have to, you know, take care of you. How does the success in helping others fit into that alignment in your, in your, in your, in your, in your, uh, in your mind? Success and helping others. Can you extrapolate on that? Yeah, it says it's making yourself others in this world better. So right. you can try to identify what you want out of life. How does helping other people contribute to your personal success? Oh, I, okay. I wanted to make sure I understood your question. It was a lousy question. I had to reframe it. Thank you for asking. Oh, no, it's a great question. I'm not I just saying a word. <laughs> the... Uh, I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying when I, even in high school, I loved listening to people's problems. I would sit on the phone, you know, well before cell phones, well before any kind of FaceTiming and anything like that. You just sit in, our, in your bedroom and the other person's in their bedroom and they're talking about their life problems. And you'd be on the phone for an hour, hour and a half. And I would just sit there and listen to what they had to say. And it's not wasn't so much about what I would have to say back. You know, that's kind of a, a, a challenge in relationships. Guys want to fix things. All the time, right? The the woman comes to the guy, hey, I got this going on in my life, blah, blah, blah. Oh, here, this is so what let you me need fix to do. That. Mm -hmm. It's the last thing in the world the woman wants to hear, right? <laughs> they just want they just want a listening ear. And so what I get out of what I get out of helping other people, here's another story from teaching fighter pilots, is one of the things I love about teaching very much. In fact, my what my mom and I we went for our drive, we drove right past Northwestern University here in Chicago today. And one of the things that I love about teaching is when that light bulb goes on, you've tried this approach, student doesn't get it. You try that approach, student doesn't get it. You try another approach, student doesn't get it. Then finally, you do something just a little bit different and the light bulb goes on and student, the student get, gets it and they never have that old issue of understanding how to do this again. And when that light bulb goes on, there is a connection that happens. And I'm sure, Ed, with what you do, you've experienced this. There's that connection that happens between you and that other living soul that you cannot buy with money. It is, it is a spiritual, immediate light bulb thing that connects two souls together 
and it just fills me with joy. So that's what I get out of it. It fills me with happiness and joy that that other person is in that much closer alignment with themselves. Gotcha. I got one other question and I'll hand it over to Capri. Poor to Capri, keep she keeps trying to jump in. <laughs> no. um, I'm curious about, you talked about when you work with students and they come in at different levels, some have incredible skill, but maybe they're not humble enough. You have a, mm -hmm. a humble young man or woman and you just wish they were a little bit more confident. Um, and you said that you really started to gravitate to the ones who just were willing to work at it. It gets me kind of to a question about asking for help. Mm. Guy, when, when you're dealing with a, a student and, you know, when you were training and teaching, did the ones that ask for help, the ones you gravitate to the most, and what would you say to a young person who might be a little timid, a little shy about how important it is to just ask for some help when they're stuck? I know it's cliche, but there are no stupid questions. And really? Because I just asked one. Like, oh, really? <laughs> You cannot have, you, have you watched our show? <laughs> there are. Because like I said earlier, questions are the answer. So if you're not asking questions, if, if, if you, and the, well, if you're in a group, I guarantee you, you're not the only one with that question, right? So there's other people in that question. So if you're in a group setting, asking that question is helping another person. So if you've got a challenge speaking up, think about it. If you like helping people speak up just so you can help somebody else in the room. But through questions, you're when, for especially for a teacher of any sort or a friend or a, um, a partner, by asking questions, what's happening is what's coming out is something that's going on within that mind. People, I mean, some people are mind readers, but for the most part, we're not mind readers. We can't, you know, Capri, I have no idea what's going on inside your mind and what your thought process is right now. You got a beautiful smile. But until you ask me that question, I have no idea what's going on inside. And so if somebody is trying to learn a new skill or a new skill set, or they're trying to figure out life, if they're just trying to have that same conversation with themselves over and over and over again, they're going to get the same answer over and over again. The only way to get a different answer, to get different input, and to try to start figuring out whatever it is that they're challenged with, whether it's life or if it's just trying to figure out a simple math problem, it, the only way is by asking the question. So people may be, you know, and this would get into a little bit more detail on the book and everything, but we were talking on that other, this other interview that I had done that Amy was, that saw me on, but, you know, people would come to me with all different kinds of, of issues and, you know, maybe it's money issues, maybe it's marital or relationship issues, maybe it's weight issues. And all of it, you can funnel it all down to one thing, in my opinion, and that is a lack of self-worth. Mm -hmm. So a person may have a lack of such low self-esteem, such a low uh, lack of worth, they're even afraid to ask a very simple question for various reasons. Maybe they don't want to look like the fool in the room. Maybe like if I ask this question, people are all going to look at me, right? Who cares about them? Um, one of my business mentors over 20 years ago said something to me, changed my life. What other people think about you is none of your business. <laughs> I, I like love that. that. That philosophy, man, I'll tell you what, you'll ask questions all day long because you don't care what other people think about you because it's not about them. And they will forget about you and 
five minutes. And as soon as the, the, the school bell goes off, boom, you're out of their mind, right? But you live with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if somebody laughed at you, you're like, you're playing that over in your mind over and over again. But that other person's long gone. They don't even, they don't even think about Guy Berlando anymore, right? But I'm sitting there going, if I don't have the self-worth, I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, I made such a fool of myself. I can't believe I did that. Oh, my God. And you start going on this whole diatribe of a story in your head that has no purpose, a positive serving purpose for you. And so now the next time you don't ask mm -hmm. the question. And now who are you hurting? All those other people in the room? No. Primarily yourself, right? So, yeah, asking questions is, is so important, Ed. It's just so important. Great advice. I have the interview. Capri, what do you got? Okay, it's finally my turn to answer, ask a question. Wait, one okay. other thing. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, okay, are you familiar with what quiet quitting is? No. Oh, okay, so we talked about this in an episode with Amy um, last season, but it's essentially when you're working a job and you feel that your job is not giving you like enough benefit for the work that you put in. So even though you're still going to the job, you do the bare minimum and you're like quietly quitting. And I just wanted to hear what your thoughts kind of were about that because a lot of times, like we can take my case for an example, like I really like my major I'm in and I like the majority of my classes, but there's a few classes here and there where it's like, I just have to get through them so I can get mm -hmm. to the more major specific classes that I'm more passionate about. And so what is your kind of advice that you have kind of regarding, like, even though I'm really passionate about that, how to avoid, like, showing less effort because it's just kind of like a middle step, like an intermediate to get to the next place? Because I think that's a struggle that a lot of people um, face when they're starting out their career and finishing their education. You know, Capri, you're going to find that not just in school. It's going to be throughout your life oh. in different areas of life is so, so true. And I don't know, you know, I know people that actually enjoy doing their taxes. <laughs> I hate it, <laughs> right? And we run a business, so it's a How lot dare more. you say the T word in here today? I know. Right? <laughs> well, and, but you got to do it, right? right? You know, it's one of those things. It's a fact of life. It's just, it's just the way it is. And the same thing with certain college courses or whatever it may be uh, with, when you get into the work environment and if you're working with other people, there are going to be people that you just don't gel with, but you don't get to choose necessarily depending on the job, who you get to work with. Right. So you've got to, you've got to figure out ways to be able to make it through those types of things. And whenever you have my philosophy on it uh, to, to try to get to your question, my philosophy on it is try to get something positive out of it. What can I be learning? You know, I, this is not my passion. This is not in alignment with me, but this is something I'm going to, I have to do in order to get to where I want to be in alignment. Then what can I learn from this experience? You know, like we just, we just did our, we just did the taxes and to use that example. And uh, what did I learn from it? I learned from, I don't want to do it this way again next year. <laughs> so this year I'm going to be a lot more proactive and keeping better records of everything. But, you know, you try to, you make a game of it and, you know, make a game of it of 
what can I learn from this today? Okay, here is my one hour of study time in the area of subject that I really have no passion about whatsoever. Wonderful. What can I teach myself from this one hour today? Because time is our most pressure, precious asset. And you don't want to waste that hour with that kind of mindset saying, man, I just got to get through this. How we talk to ourselves, the language we use is way more powerful than 99.9% .9 of the people walking this planet understand. And when you say, man, I, you know, I just got to get through this course, you are telling your subconscious mind to not enjoy it and to not learn anything from it, but it's going to get you through. And the subconscious mind will, it follows what you tell it to do. It has no choice and it does not understand negatives. So it's going to tell you over and over again, I'm not enjoying this course. So if you go in with that kind of a mindset, you're setting yourself up for a painful experience. Whereas if you can change that around and catch yourself saying, I can't believe I got to sit down for the next hour and do this mm -hmm. work and change that around. What can I learn from this? You know, here now is this hour set aside for this wonderful course that I'm going to learn something positive from. And that would be my best advice is to take so something that's a downer and find a way to turn it into a positive. That is so good. My daughter in university is going through the exact same thing, Caprice. I'm so glad you asked that question because I'm having those exact conversations with her regarding some of her classes right at this time. Yes. So yeah. thank you. And I, Brilliant. I really didn't expect that to like happen either because it's like, oh, like this is what I want to do type of thing. But, you know, sometimes you just have to have a positive attitude about it. I was going to say something else. Yeah. And then it's more, it's more it. than a positive <laughs> attitude. Because a positive attitude, and I love, I love um, Norman Vincent Peale's book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Mm -hmm. But it's more than just the positive attitude. It's teaching the subconscious mind to think positively so that the attitude part of it is just a natural course of action. So the attitude is like a symptom of the mindset, not the other way around. Exactly. It's so like you don't have to force yourself to do something you actually enjoy doing. And that's because mm -hmm. it's a subconscious mind is providing you with the direction to do something to you enjoy. So if you have a, an ap aspect of life that you don't enjoy so much and you have to do it anyhow, take it so that the subconscious mind finds a way to, to drive you to get through that in a positive manner. And it's, so I, I would say it's just a little bit different than just positive thinking. It's in the positive mental attitude. It's, it's coming from a deeper place that's driving you to get through that course where I'm learning and I'm now I'm done with it and I can celebrate. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. That makes Guy, sense. I, Guy, I would love for you to share with us uh, about go, going through this massive career you've described with us and then deciding it's time to write the book. What was that process like for you? Share with us a little bit about the book, because that's a big deal for you to take these years, your wisdom, what you've learned, your lessons, and put it out there in such a powerful way. Well, oh, thank you for the opportunity for to share about it. It is something that uh, it just kind of kind of happened. It wasn't something like I was like for years thinking about writing a book. It just all of a sudden happened. And what had happened is in uh, that junction after leaving the military and flying for Southwest Airlines. Every year I read a book. It's called Think and Grow Rich by um, Napoleon Hill. 
very famous book. It's an abridged version of a much thicker and larger book that many people know about, but the law of success and the think and grow rich is actually an abridged version of that. But I read that every year and I use it to evaluate where my goals, uh, the goals I had set the previous year, how did I do on those? And then I set my new goals for the coming year. So every December or January, I will read think and grow rich and for that purpose. And I was reading this, I believe it was in 2014 or 15 and uh, coming home from a trip with Southwest and I get to the gate at our house and I'm like, I had an epiphany that I realized at that point, Amy, that I did not know what my definitive purpose in life was anymore. As a fighter pilot, I knew, I, I mean, there was no doubt I lived with it 24 seven, what my purpose in life was all of a sudden that was removed from me. I mean, commercial airline pilot comes with a lot of responsibility. Some people, for some people that is their entire dream in life is to become a commercial airline pilot. So for them, they're living in alignment. But for me, it wasn't a big dream of mine to do that. And I had, I know I had so much more to give than just being a pilot in my mind, right? Again, it's all on how we frame it within our own mind. So I'm not putting down being having commercial airline pilot as a career goal. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying I was out of alignment. And at night, I realized what it was, is that I was not living my definitive purpose. And so I started on this quest to figure out what that was. And it turned out to be a lot more challenging than I had ever imagined. And I'm reading all these books, going to different classes, courses, if you will, on it. And I actually uh, went to a psychotherapist and went through his program and I didn't feel any difference. And there was a lady, uh, her name is Nirka. She runs uh, um, a, a course for helping people discover themselves, if you will. Uh, that's not exactly what it is, but for the purpose of this conversation, it perfectly uh, states what she does. And anyhow, we went to a, a seminar she was putting on, a free seminar, which of course she upselled. And of course I bought. <laughs> and course. I, was very, I was very, very excited about because I felt deep in my heart that this woman was going to be able to accomplish what nobody else had been able to. And we signed up for a course for hers that was starting two weeks later. It was very expensive, uh, stretched our budget big time, but I felt very confident. And sure enough, I had a major breakthrough there. Uh, I found myself. And that's why I think I named the book Discovering Your Authentic Truth, because that's what happened to me in this first course, or at least began that process. And I started coming back into alignment. And I was sharing all this with my family over Christmas and probably 2015 and my sister she goes why don't they teach us this in high school right. why don't they teach us about communication not only the conversations we have in our own head but the conversations we have as parents to our children or as to fellow classmates or whatever it may be and to your boss you know or the boss to the subordinate in the, in the job if you will i mean communication is everything. And I yes. never really realized it before. And so when my sister said that, because she had some challenges with her kids and, um, and husbands, and, you know, she'd been married a couple of times and, and it's all based a lot of it's in communication, just understanding ourselves. And that set me on the quest to go ahead and write the book. And uh, it took me a year, start to finish. Mm -hmm. I, I wrote the book. The book is 
thick. It's like 300, not thick, but it's about 320 pages or something like that, 350 pages. And when I wrote it all out, it was twice as big. And so editing through all that information was a challenge. We did that and I threw it all away and I started all over again because we were trying to get the message across. And this is the big one is that for kids that are especially because I really wanted high school students to read it. And I really wanted to get it into the prison system because I wanted people to understand it's not your fault. You You ended up where you are because of all the programming that's gone on in your mind over the years that has led to you making certain leading to certain behaviors that had you lead to doing certain actions, which gave you certain results. And maybe those results are not what you were looking for, but if you trace it all the way back, it could have been something that happened early on in your childhood, long before you were ever consciously aware of it. And I'm talking between the moment of birth to three years old, Mm -hmm. primarily maybe to five or seven. And those things, those traumatic events that happen into your life during those early parts of your living literally set you up for the rest of your life. And people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I told the story before that I went to a bookstore, a very famous bookstore, looked through over 100 books on parenting, literally sat there for hours going through all these books written by psychologists, professors, university professors, I mean, and doctorates and all this other stuff. And nobody, in my opinion, maybe two books kind of touched on it, but nobody was going to this root issue of it's not your fault. It's what happened way back when. Now, we've got to take responsibility for our actions, right? So as we start growing up, there comes a point where it's no longer the parents' fault or whatever happened back then. It's now time for us to fix ourselves, but people don't know how to do that because it's not taught. And that's why I wrote the book. There's alternatives to Western psychology that really work and it doesn't take a lot of effort. It doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes, again, Ed, a desire to want something better for yourself. I love that. That's really powerful stuff. Communication communication is an art Mm -hmm. and a skill and you should get really good at it. Yeah. And we don't teach enough of it in school. We teach a lot of things that kids will never, ever use. But these, this core skill that I'm talking about and I talk about in my book, kids can use for the rest of their lives. And it could save a lot of suicides. It could save a lot of, you know, going down the wrong path. And that's why I wanted it. You know, it's really was in my mind when I was writing it, the intention was a a sophomore, junior in high school. If this was taught in a high school as a class or as a course, and they got that as a sophomore or junior, it would change the direction of thousands of lives because they wouldn't be, it would increase their self-worth. They wouldn't be blaming themselves for their parents getting divorced, for them being on drugs, for them, you know, becoming an alcoholic at 16 year olds, getting pregnant at 17 years old. Those are all things that happen because of, in large part, because how they were set up early on in life. And if they want to change, I mean, maybe they're happy with that, but if they want to change the possibility to change, can be almost instantaneously, as I talk about in the book. 
What an incredible resource. I've been putting up his your website and it's going to be in all the show notes. If you're listening to this, oh, check the show you. notes, websites there. You can get the book. And what I love, Guy, I was, I was such a dork. I went to your whole site. It was so much fun. But I love that you have the page there with books because I went through and looked at every book you have listed there. And I was so proud that a lot of them I've also read. But awesome. I was like going through a library of like, oh, now I need to read this one. Now I need to read this one. So I love the fact that you also share all of the incredible resources that you've chosen that have made an impact in our in your life. So we can go to the site and have your book, but also really see those other resources that you're recommending. And it's it's really awesome. I recommend everybody check it out. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I've I got into reading. Um, I'm in I'm in network marketing. I love the industry. I think it's the most. I'm so passionate about that industry. It's amazing. It allowed me to retire seven years early. And in my course of network marketing over 20 years, I came across a mentor that really took me under his wing. And his, his thing was reader, leaders are readers and readers are yeah. leaders. And if you want to lead, if you want to become you know, successful in this industry where you're leading thousands upon thousands of people, you need to start reading. I mean, I had not yeah. read a book since college, right? Right, Capri? You're done with college, man. Put that stuff away. Uh-uh, not for me. And uh, even though I had to do a lot of studying as a fighter pilot, it was different. And when he said that, and he said, you want to know the secret to this business? It's in the reading. reading. And it changed my life. I didn't even know personal growth books existed. I had never heard of Think and Grow Rich. I never heard of, you know, all the different famous authors in this genre. And as I started, and I couldn't read a book, just so you know. I mean, if you're not a reader, if you're a listener right. out here and you're not a reader, that's totally fine. Now you got audiobooks, right? You can always listen to it. But there is something about picking up a pen, picking up the book and underlining and making yes. notes in the book that you can't do as well reading electronically or listening, in my opinion. I love- I write in all my books. books. I agree yep. with you. I, I have notes here. Yes, I have to. They're, then they're mine. That's that's it. Yep, Did you really exactly. learn anything if you couldn't like write it down what you learned? Because that happens to me all the time. I'll be reading something and then be like, wait, I just skipped the whole page. Like I didn't process any of that. So writing it really helps. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it took me five years to learn how to read again. Five, five years to learn how to read again. And when I got through that point, I'll never forget, I was leaving for work one morning. And when I was leaving the door, I looked at my wife and I said, I feel alive again. I feel like I'm 18 with my whole future in front of me. And it took that five-year period of time for me to get through all these different books that I had read during that time to really start discovering there's a whole new aspect of life out there I never knew anything about. And it was, it was so such a powerful revelation for me. And that would never have happened if my mentor had insisted that I start reading and start a reading program. Wow. Outstanding. Outstanding. How inspiring yeah. is this? I have one more question. So yes. you have given us so much great advice um, and like your career now centers around speaking to young people and helping them feel confident. So kind of a double question. What advice do you have for people who want to become more confident, but they still are worried about other, what others might think or they're afraid of taking up space in the room? And then also what advice that you know now, would you give to your 18-year-old self? Oh, I was going to ask that. Good one, Capri. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the 18-year-olds, I'm going to go in reverse order. For the 18-year-old 
itself. It's, um, well, it's kind of what I did. I said, always be asking yourself questions. What else can I be doing right now? I would say the philosophy that I've developed is what I'm about to do right now going to help me get closer to my goal. You know, if I'm about to turn on the TV to relax with a bowl of popcorn and watch a movie, is that, if you ask yourself that question, is this going to motivate me or move me in the right direction that I'm looking to go towards to get the success that I want? And if the answer is no, you put down the bowl of popcorn and you do something that is going to. I mean, we all need the downtime. Don't get me wrong. But if the downtime is more of the uptime than the uptime is, you know what I mean? If you're spending more time relaxing than working towards your goals, that is a great philosophy. So that is definitely something I would have, I would have known when I was 18. Um, and I think in the back of my mind, it kind of was because I knew I wanted something more. But yes, I think that is a very, very powerful question to ask yourself at any time. You know, is what I'm about to do actually going to help serve me towards reaching my goals? Um, the, the other question was again, what I didn't write it down. <laughs> I got short term oh. memory loss. <laughs> no. All right. Um, it was just basically what advice do you have for people oh. who want to become more confident, but they're not really sure what to start. And they're kind of still hooked up on reading. what other people think of them. Get on a reading program or listening program. There's so much on YouTube now. I'm I'm in love with Earl Nightingale now. So I've been reading, listening. There's all these. Earl Nightingale is a very famous guy from the late 60s, 70s and personal growth. And he started a whole Nightingale Conan is what they, the publisher, published house that they created. Earl Nightingale is just phenomenal. And he's got a real soothing voice. And I just love eating up all his stuff because they're in snippets. So like 20 minute snippets on YouTube. So, you know, between different doing different things, you can listen to it for somebody that is hurting or feeling like they don't have the confidence to speak up in class. They don't have the confidence. Oh, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a I'm studying to be a doctor. But look at all these other people. They're so much more smarter than I am. I don't think I could be a doctor. And you, while you're trying to go through the doctor program, that is negative self-talk that is not going to serve you, right? Because absolutely you can become a doctor. I mean, if you've gotten into the program, the school says that, yes, you can be a doctor. So now it's up to you. Do Is that really what I want to do? Is it in alignment with what I want to do? And if it is in alignment with what I want to do, then we've got to start working at a deeper level. And something like my book would help a person to, to understand what's going on inside their head but the answer for the average person would be start reading some really positive, uplifting, motivational, inspirational books, even life stories. There's a book, uh, Tim Grover. He's the, uh, he wrote the book Relentless. And then the follow-on book to that was Winning with a one, W-1-N-N-I-N-G, Winning. And he was the personal trainer that Michael Jordan seeked out. And he worked close in hand with Michael Jordan. And then he went on to work with these other athletes. And he talks about the winning mindset in these books. And they're very thin. I mean, it doesn't take long to read. Those types of books will go, well, if that person can do it. And, you know, Michael Jordan worked very hard to achieve what he was able to achieve. The most famous basketball player ever lived. But he worked very hard at it. You don't see that when he's out on the court game time. You don't see what's going on behind the scenes, but to get to that level, he had to work very, very hard to 
do it. So somebody might think that it's coming very natural for this other person in class where I'm struggling to get through it. But believe me, that the struggling is where the learning is. And even though you might be a, a person, maybe a little bit slower to growth, they may actually be learning more and be more effective as a doctor down the road than the person where it just comes naturally to. So uh, the read, but the reading is, I, I would say, I would argue the reading is probably the mo number one most important thing you could do outside of the school books, reading and personal growth. And, and some of the books that I have listed on my website are, is a good place to start. Wonderful. Thank awesome. you so much. Yeah, sure. Powerful, powerful. So much incredible insight. Ed, um, any last thoughts that you have? And, and you get to take us home on this one today, too. I know you got one more question left. I man. do have a question because oh, here we go. Guy said some really cool stuff, but one thing kept popping up in almost, uh, I don't know, half of his answers was a mentor. So I'm kind of curious, Guy, mm. how important is having a mentor or mentors in your life, your personal development, and what would you say to young people trying to find their direction, how important mentors are to that? You know, Ed, that is really cool. And that means that you're actually listening. And one of the biggest challenges we have in life is really listening to what people are saying. I didn't even realize that I had done that. So you bringing that up, being aware of that coming from me means obviously if I've mentioned it more than several times, that it is obviously very important right? or it wouldn't be coming out. So no, but that's great awareness. And that, that's what active listening really is. So that's powerful. Uh, mentorship. Uh, reading. So go back to the reading, but having a mentor and, you know, like, well, how do I find this mentor? How do I find that mentor? Well, one way is through asking questions. If you want to become a doctor, I would start seeking out people online or however you want to try to connect with them and find somebody that's successful in the area of being a doctor that you want to be. I'm just using that as an example. And then befriend them and start asking them questions. And you will be surprised. One thing that I know about successful people is they want to help other people. People that have made a million dollars want to show other people how to make a million dollars. People that have been a successful pilot want to show other people how to be a successful pilot. But if you're not asking the questions, that person that's already done it doesn't know you're looking or seeking. Right. And they're not going to reach down necessarily because then there's no desire, right? There's no value. If I just reach down and I go, I see this you know, person on the street and I say, hey, if I could show you how to make a million dollars, you want to make a million dollars? Nine times out of 10, they're going to say no, believe it or not, even though I know I could show them how to do it. So us reaching down, that's not how it works. You've got to reach up. You've got to find somebody that's already traveled the path that you want to go and then you start asking them questions because what they're going to do is they're going to help shortcut all the freaking zigzags they had to go through that didn't work. And they, they had to learn to get here. Right. And what they want to do is help you maybe cut some of those zigzags. You're still going to have to do quote unquote the work and figure things out for yourself, but they can offer guidance that you don't have because they've got the knowledge and wisdom you haven't gone through yet. That's why a coach you know, you think about an athletic team. That's why a coach is so important because they get everybody rowing in the same direction at the same time. Right. And yes. when you think about your own life, it's very much like that. And that's what a mentor does. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of a mentorship. And then the other thing that a mentor does for you, Ed, is accountability. So 
I have offered this, for instance, in my business, I've offered this up to every single person that I work with. And I work with thousands and not one person has taken me up on it. My, I made a personal challenge with my mentor to, I was going to, because he said, if you want me to mentor you, then we need to be in contact. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, great. I have not missed a day. And I think it's over 1500 days since we pretty much started this business every single day. I will make that phone call to him, even if I don't want to, because it's not about him. It's about me holding me accountable. Because if I didn't do what I was supposed to do that day, it happens. Um, I still got to make that phone call. And I got I to go, Mr. Mentor, um, this didn't happen in my business today, but this is what did. I, I'm leaving a positive message about what I did for my business. And sometimes there's almost nothing there because I didn't do what I was supposed to do, that I knew what I was supposed to do. And then I'm like, I don't ever want to have to make that phone call again. So it's the, the mentorship is not only once you find a mentor and you can latch on to that mentor, it's not only helping you cut corners or save time in the, in the process, but it's also an accountability partner because you're not just accountable to yourself. Now you're accountable to this person that's taking time out of their day. That's not charging you money. They're just doing it out of the goodness of their heart most often. And you want to respect and honor that mentor by holding yourself accountable. And that's one of the reasons why I really profess a, a mentor. So true. Great coaches have coaches. That's right. Always, absolutely, always, always. And that's why we have this show and why we asked you as a mentor to come on, because we believe that this show really is that resource. <laughs> and you gave such incredible information today that oh, now anyone you. listening and watching this, you're now accountable because you can't <laughs> unknow what you've learned today. I um, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, Guy. We really appreciate you being on. Uh, the insight was exceptional. Um, on behalf of my co-host, Capri, Amy, uh, this is Ed, and you have been part of the Education Career and Beyond podcast, and we got a whole lot of the beyond. I loved every single minute of it. Thanks, Guy. appreciate you being here. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Capri, and thank you, Amy, for the invite. appreciate it. What an it. honor. Thanks for joining us.